This episode is brought to you by State Farm. If you're a small business owner, you know that it isn't just your business, it's your life. And whatever your business might be, you want someone who understands. That's why you might want to check out State Farm Small Business Insurance. Why? Because State Farm agents are small business owners too, living and working in your community. That means they know what it takes to help you personalize your policies for your small business needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Hi, we're Visible. We're the wireless company with nothing to hide. Seriously. Hidden fees? We don't have them. Annual contracts? Not our thing. Great wireless on just one line? Now that's more like it. Get unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just $25 a month. Taxes and fees included. That's right. $25 a month? Every month. Sorry, hidden fees. We're just not that into you. Sometimes the choice is just Visible. Switch today at Visible.com. Rate with service on the Visible plan. For additional terms and network management practices, see Visible.com. Hi, I'm Kara Swisher, editor-at-large of Recode. You may know me as someone who's going back to school to get my degree in sunglasses design, but in my spare time, I talk tech, and you're listening to Recode Decode from the Vox Media Podcast Network. Today in the red chair is Chip Pausek, the CEO of 2U. It partners with colleges and universities to offer online programs. He co-founded the company more than 10 years ago. Chip, welcome to Recode Decode. Oh, thank you. Thrilled to be here. Good. We have lots to talk about. I was just telling you, I was just interviewing the head of the World Bank, so you're coming off of a thing. But one of the things he was talking about was online stuff. He was very interested in that and sort of not investing in bridges and tunnels, but more in those kind of programs. And one of the things he noted to me was that he got the head of Dubai to pay for turning all of Saul Khan's stuff into Arabic, to get it translated into Arabic. And he employed like 7,000 people and did everything once. And it was really like, that was not a World Bank program I would have, you know, seen before. So I just want to sort of like talk a little bit about your company and then where we want to talk about where education's going and where it should be going. Well, I started the company uh, over a decade ago. We partner with top universities to build really high quality online programs. Right. So where, we, where were you before then? <laughs> that's a great story. So I... This is the third venture back startup for me and the only one that worked. Mm -hmm. So okay. uh, I produced a PBS television show for a really long time, my first one. And it produced a bunch of celebrities, which is really which cool. Which was? It was called Standard Deviance. It mm -hmm. was middle school, high school, college courses taught by comedians and actors. Okay. So like T.J. Miller from Silicon Valley. Oh, and, him. Uh, yeah. And Kerry Washington from Scandal. Yes. And so mm -hmm. a bunch of great actors. But mm -hmm. ultimately, the business wasn't successful. So it didn't return capital and whatnot. But I, I learned a ton. Uh, and then I ran Hooked on Phonics. So I was CEO of Hooked on Phonics mm -hmm. for— I mean, all of that. Explain what Hooked on Phonics—I I know what it is. So Hooked on Phonics is a, a reading program for mm -hmm. kids. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the famous one with the infomercials, Hooked on Phonics, worked for me. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So it's I was like on, cars for kids. Yeah, 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 well— You remember them. I was on—so uh, I think I was on QVC like 35 times or some mm -hmm. nonsense selling Hooked on Phonics. So, yeah. yes. So I've had an interesting career all in Where education. Where did that go? Where did Hooked on Phonics go? Hooked on Phonics has been through a bunch of different owners. I honestly don't know where it is now. So I left to start to you. Mm -hmm. um, it was called Tudor at the time. But, you know, my career has been all in education, mm -hmm. except for one stint where I ran a U.S. Senator's re-election campaign, Barbara Mikulski, from mm -hmm. here in Baltimore. Maryland. Baltimore. Mm -hmm. You know, that's sort of my backstory. I get interesting. Sorry, why did you run Barbara Mikulski's campaign? I thought you'd ask me that. Yeah. So, <laughs> I so thought about her, man. She right out something. of college, I graduated from GW. Yeah. And right out of college, people forget how rough the job market was in 92. Mm-hmm. And I got a job working for Barbara Mikulski as basically her assistant scheduler, which is the funny thing. It's like the worst job on the Hill because basically right. all you do is say no because right. the scheduler takes the yeses. Mm -hmm. So I got to know her really personally. And when I started my first company, she was you know, she's like, why are you leaving? And I gave her a business plan. Next day I come in 
and one of the cooler days of my career, there's a Senate wax seal envelope, mm -hmm. and I open it up, and there's a check. And she became my third investor in my first company. Wow. Oh, cool. And so, you know, I'd go to the Hill every quarter to tell her what was going on in the company. Yeah. Ultimately, I didn't make her any money. Oh, poor Barbara. And then at the end, she asked me to come and be her deputy campaign manager. So I co-ran her campaign in, in uh, 2004. Oh, wow. No, uh, yes. She was a great, she was a great politician. So it was an incredible experience, and then I started to you leaving. And what Fox. was the impetus for it? It was to teach, right? To, to find new ways of teaching. Because that was, if it was 10 years ago, it was early days. I remember Miles Gilburn had very one, early days. a reading one. There was a lot of early, early so versions we, of this. You know, I'd say we really believed that the world was ready for really high-quality online education, but people thought we were kind of crazy. Like, people thought we were loons, honestly. If you, like, at the time, no one was doing anything online from any of the great schools. So I would argue it was like the first wave of online ed where it was all for-profit. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure we're going to talk about that, mm -hmm. but for-profit education has a bad rap for a reason. Like, mm -hmm. for a long time, it wasn't particularly very good. Right. University of Arizona, Arizona, Arizona Well, university, you mean University of Phoenix? Phoenix, or, sorry. Yeah. You know, and Phoenix was better than, than many of them. Yeah, so but there were lots of those. There yeah. were lots of those. Right. And so the great schools weren't doing anything online, and we really believed that you could do something great if you had institutional will, like, mm -hmm. to make the students equal, sort of end the segregation of the online student, like, give them the real rights, the real degree, the same quality, the same faculty— but you needed a great school to buy in. And it's not obvious why they said yes, but we were able to convince University of Southern California to sign up with us, and then mm -hmm. Georgetown, your alma mater, mm -hmm. and then University of North Carolina Chapel and Hill. And so what was, the, what was the pitch during those days? Because a lot of, the, you know, Harvard and MIT were relatively earlier, though it wasn't 10 years ago. No, that, that really at this point, USC and Georgetown really, and Chapel Hill, they all took a huge risk that mm -hmm. they didn't have any data to support the decision. The pitch was, this is where the world's going to go, and we really believed it could be great. And so the university had to be convinced, first of all, that it was going to be extremely high quality, mm -hmm. that this wasn't going to be some dumbed-down version of what they've done. Because if you think about it, companies don't last this long. My partner is – my youngest university partner is 12 years older than Walt Disney. Mm -hmm. Like mm -hmm. companies just don't last this long. Right. So be really careful about that brand experience and the high quality and outcome student mm – -hmm. out delivering the student outcome. Mm -hmm. And so – we were pretty passionate. We were able to convince University of Southern California first to give it a shot, and then quickly thereafter, Georgetown, and then after that, Chapel Hill. All and explain the offering, initial offering. So the initial offer was we're going to bring you online we're, to you. We'll be behind the scenes. I mean, what's interesting is most people have never heard of the company, even mm -hmm. though you know we're four and a half years public and mm -hmm. one of the better performing technology stocks. Because my job is to work behind the scenes to promote and support Georgetown and mm -hmm. USC, not to you. So the pitch was, we're going to do a bunch of things that you don't particularly do typically or do that well. You're going to do all instruction. You're going to grant the degree. You're going to make the admissions decision in terms of who gets in. You'll do all accreditation. So you'll do everything that you'd want your university to do. So it's like the real thing. And I'll provide the tech platform, all the student support, all the faculty support, things like clinical placements. Mm -hmm. So as an example, one of my degrees at Georgetown is a Master of Science in Midwifery, mm -hmm. and you wouldn't want to go to the midwife that delivered the virtual baby, no, right? No, not at all. So, like, we have a huge clinical placement network. Well, back then, that was all something that we had to build. Right, right. So I give those early schools a ton of credit because, like, we weren't very good at it in 2008, and we had to learn. So the pitch, them, one of them is that I was just at a university the other day, and someone, it was the head of the university, was like, we're not going to have this school and. 30 years. Like he was he was talking about various different things. And, you know, you see all these iterations of it. And we'll get to that later. But when you were selling them on it, obviously they wanted more students in the doors, not 
outside the doors or right. coming in. But the key is the right students for right. them. In other words, you know, what they represent in the community, it's the quality of student, the quality of faculty that they've built their his, mm-hmm. their history on. And in the case of Georgetown, you know, it's 100 years older than Coca-Cola. Mm-hmm. Like you're talking about some of the oldest standing institutions right. in our culture. Right. So the idea was you ha- it had to be great. 1876. No, I know. Uh, you know, like if you look across my portfolio, like Yale's 75 years older than America. I mean, these mm-hmm. schools— Pretty right. incredible. But what was the pitch to them for you? Like that they needed to have more students or that they were missing students or what? Expand their mission and reach mm-hmm. and drive new revenue for the school. Mm-hmm. It's both – it's sort of a combination of mission and dollars. Like sustainability is not optional. So it needs to all be sustainable and work. Mm-hmm. But it was all about quality to start. And so not anybody could get in. No. And I don't make that call. Right. They make that call. Right, of who's going to get in. Now, the business for 2U is we stand behind the scenes. We share tuition revenue over a long contract. So my shortest contract is 10 years. They're Mm non-cancelable. So it's a non-trivial decision to -hmm. to do this on both sides. And the reason is I'll invest about $10 of net negative cash over the first four to five years of that 10-year life before I swing to Mm -hmm. 2U side Mm -hmm. to profit. The universities typically – good in about a year. Mm-hmm. But the money is secondary, first and foremost, like, will it work? Right. You know, and if you look at online education, unfortunately, a long history of just not working for people necessarily, the student outcome. Mm-hmm. Well, there's different types. There's We can talk about the different types. Yeah. But the getting important is that you, this would expand their yes. student body for people that couldn't go there or... So I guess uh, w- I would say, why should you pick up your life, quit your job, and move to attend a school, a grad school? These are all grad- graduate programs. Right. Why should you pick up your life, quit your job to attend if you could get everything you would get from a school like USC, but do it in your local community mm-hmm. at that quality level with that rigor, with that affiliation? Like mm-hmm. you're becoming a Trojan, a Tar Heel, a Hoya, not just a random one and zero. Mm-hmm. So one of the things we brought to the table that was like at the time people thought was truly idiotic was live classes. Mm-hmm. So our average class size across the entire portfolio Mm -hmm. is today about 14 students. Mm -hmm. So you're talking about super intimate live classes with the faculty instead of just being fully asynchronous. Mm -hmm. I hate the term asynchronous because people often— Explain that to people. Yeah, so it means like the canned, like, you know, Mm -hmm. in an asynchronous program, you're never— You watch a lecture, basically. And then you answer questions based on— In the 2U programs, you watch a lot of pre-recorded content, Mm -hmm. but then you go to class once a week with your faculty and your fellow students. Right, and those are all online students? They are. So you're not, you know, we don't put a camera at the back of the classroom, the physical classroom, because, like, if you were going to make a movie out of a play, you wouldn't put a camera at the back of the theater. You just have a crappy movie. Mm -hmm. So you make a movie, not a play, right? Right. So when you're producing for the online environment, you can do a bunch of things that wouldn't just be recording the professor, and we do that. Right. But then you go to class. Right. And then you do your clinical placement. Mm -hmm. And so when you put that all together, you're talking about high-quality student outcomes, high-quality graduation rates, board Mm -hmm. pass rates, like— in the case of Georgetown, we really, even after we fully launched the program, we've been running it a couple of years, when we really sort of captured the minds of the faculty was when the first set of graduates, which was a big number, mm-hmm. passed their boards at a very close to the same rate as the campus program. Like mm-hmm. that was where – that's right. the rubber that meets very the road. Very close, that not quite. Uh, it was like the on-campus program at the time was like high 90s, was like 99 point something, right. and we were like half a percentage point lower. Mm-hmm. But so in, what kind of people want to do this? What's the, the thing that you just don't want to leave your town? Or Well, the biggest cost to graduate education is the opportunity cost. So most people to go, you know, like if you're going to go to grad school, even like an MBA, if you're going to a campus program, you're typically quitting your job and you're going to campus for two years. And so 
whatever you're making during that two years, you're typically either borrowing or getting from family. Mm -hmm. And so the people across the entire portfolio of two-use programs, whether it be speech pathology or physical therapy or data science, sort of using extremes, uh, they're typically employed and they stay employed. Mm -hmm. So you're able to have continue your career, sort of building your career, the next step in your career without sacrificing the current job. Mm -hmm. So on balance, it's typically slightly older student. But I think we're at the very front edge of this. So like it's my belief that all of graduate education is going to go this way. It's Mm -hmm. just the value proposition to the consumer is so much better. Yeah. That like I feel like um, not that I'm going to get out of joint and and smoke it here, but I feel like the Elon Musk, Tesla – yeah. stage of life um, is the electric cars. You're at such the early stage of the market. I really believe that's where we are in online education. Mm-hmm. Like it's very early days. And so we think all of it will go online over time, even disciplines that you wouldn't immediately expect. That to, could. Right. Well, we're going to get to that in a second. But th- so the people that want to do this, what do they typically pay? The, the tuition? Co- no, because there's a different tuition. So the tuition is yeah. the same price as the campus oh, program. Oh, wow. Okay. All right. Okay. So that could be super high. And scholarships available in the same manner? So if there are sco- – most of graduate education is not – there. we actually – 2 you deploys quite a, quite a few scholarships to mm-hmm. attract different groups of students. But mm-hmm. overall, graduate education is either self-pay or loans. Mm-hmm. And so if the campus tuition price is a certain price— $5,000, whatever. It's not ten, $10,000. Uh, no, m- most of the programs, though, in, like an MBA will cost you somewhere between, let's say, on the low end, $55,000 and on the high end, $100,000 mm-hmm. for the full program. Right. And so the that's online two program— That's two years, right? Two that's two years. Right. So that depends on the school, but you don't have your room and board and you don't have the—you know, you're, you're employed during that time. So right. that's a— to the debt burden to the student is substantially lower. Right, right, right. And so getting in, how do they split between it? Can they Does that open their, so their student body amount that they can allow in, correct? Yeah, I mean, you're talking about significant size increase for the school. Now, not like you're not talking about taking a school from 200 students on campus to 10,000. Right. But the typical 2U program will enroll somewhere between three and 500 new students per year for the school. So if you look at a program like Georgetown, mm-hmm. the nursing program at Georgetown was quite small in that case because most yeah, most graduate education, most of the programs that I the lived elite, with Georgetown nurses. Oh, you did? Yeah, they were my roommates. They were crazy. Well, it's a fabulous school. They're wild. Nurses are crazy. We, <laughs> they work like hell, but they also we have a lot of nursing programs. Yeah. Um, and we have three. Talking to you, Kate Curran. But go ahead, keep going. <laughs> so you do go go back to the nursing fund. Let's not discuss partying nurses. But go ahead. <laughs> Uh, this is awesome. So the, I would say the individual programs, you know, you might have a student body of 50, 100, 200 students. Mm-hmm. And then in the case of like our our, our size, mm-hmm. you know, you get three to 500 per year. So you'd have a student body between, let's say, 500 and 1,000. Mm-hmm. So it's a significant expansion for the school. Right. Uh, it's a good revenue source for the school, but it's got to work. And so like until we had proven that we could create really high-quality graduates with good jobs and mm-hmm. the outcome, student outcome side – no one would have continued and, to purchase. And what, when you're saying they have to do special classes, and why do you have to segregate them? Again, I know you don't want to have a camera in the back, but what's the thinking behind so that? So, you know, offering— That is kind of a different student, right? Well, offering a really intimate experience where you're going to be with your faculty. I mean, the, the faculty in these programs, you don't get to Georgetown or, or Berkeley or Yale or any of our schools and be faculty there without being pretty exceptional. Right. So having that faculty time— I actually took our MBA program, so I graduated. I, mm-hmm. I, I got to be one of the only people that's done an IPO while being in an MBA <laughs> program, by the way. 
So I didn't do it to eat my own dog food. I didn't do it to talk about it. I didn't do it for the hair club. Who for did Manifest. you take it? Which school? Chapel Hill. Oh, okay, cool. And it took me four years. So I was like the longest standing student in the history mm-hmm. of Keenan Flagler Business School. But like kidding aside, like that, having that experience, I could tell you from the standpoint of the faculty interaction, huge part of the value proposition. But then the student interaction, like you remember your fellow students even more than you remember your faculty from mm-hmm. wherever you went to school. Right. So that intimacy of the online environment, it, we've got a bunch of progr- – we have a bunch of marriages that have happened in the programs. Wow. Like people meeting in the programs. Now, we're not a uh-huh. dating service, but like – you Tinder? We're, hey, we're not to that. education Tinder. We are not education Tinder. But the fact is like you do meet people and you become close to one another and you learn a lot from one another. Yeah. All right. Okay. Okay. We're going to get back. We're going to talk about where online education is going. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You've heard it before. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. But it's more than just a tagline. Because State Farm agents are small business owners themselves who live and work in your community. And if you're in the market for small business insurance, who better to work with than an agent who understands what it takes? State Farm agents can help you create a personalized insurance plan that fits your small business needs and budget. Talk to your local State Farm agent today about small business insurance. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Hi, we're Visible. We're the wireless company with nothing to hide. Seriously. Hidden fees? We don't have them. Annual contracts? Not our thing. Great wireless on just one line? Now that's more like it. Get unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just $25 a month. Taxes and fees included. That's right, $25 a month every month. Sorry, hidden fees. We're just not that into you. Sometimes the choice is just visible. Switch today at visible.com. Rate with service on the Visible plan. For additional terms and network management practices, see visible.com. We're here with Chip Pausek, the CEO of 2U. We're talking about him taking a course of getting an, an MBA from... What did you do with that then? Did you start a company? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> well, I, I, you know, it's interesting. I'd Why been, did you take an MBA course? Yeah, I mean, my wife and my board asked me the same question when I told them I wanted to do this. They both thought I was a little insane. But, mm-hmm. you know, I'd been a liberal arts graduate. So just to get into me a little bit, mm-hmm. a first-generation college graduate, um, mm-hmm. got to GW, got a Pell Grant to go there. Higher ed completely changed my life. It's hard to overstate. Met my wife at GW. We're still together 28 years later. Like, GW couldn't have changed me more, but I was a liberal arts major, and I'd never taken a single business course, and I get out of college, and I start a company, and I just really wanted it. You know, right. I'd I'd read the balance sheet for a long time, but I'd never made one. Uh, and so, and Chapel Hill had been an aspirational school for me growing up, mm-hmm. so I really wanted to do this. Did and you not get in? I, you know, it's interesting. I only applied to some schools in Florida— so just to give you an idea of, like, I'd, I'd been out of Florida three times in my life. I bought mm-hmm. my first winter coat of my life with the guy that's now my general counsel <laughs> at GW. Yeah. So I I hadn't seen much of the world. Mm-hmm. But the one place I had seen is I'd taken a— UNC. It's a great Well, school. no. I'd taken a close-up, one of those presidential classroom type yeah, yeah. things in D.C. So I'd seen the D.C. schools. Right. So I applied to GW and Georgetown and American. Right. I didn't get into your alma mater. I got into GW— Got harder after the basketball thing. Well, you know, GW today, I mean, uh, yeah. unbelievably intense. I wouldn't get into Georgetown today. I wouldn't get into Georgetown, uh, GW Never. either. No. Today. Uh, mine was a backup school. Georgetown used to be a backup school. That's funny. It was. What was well, you, where, where was you? Didn't I get in everywhere else? No, <laughs> I didn't get into Stanford. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't apply to too many colleges. My brother well, was at Stanford. And I, I keep telling him, so my son now is in the process, right? And I keep telling him that there, there's so many great schools and, like, I'd be thrilled if he went to any of our partner schools. They're just all pretty exceptional. Yeah, I'm so. going to try to find a way to buy a gym or something for one of them. That's my plan <laughs> for my kid. No, I'm kidding. 
Sadly, I did not take that job at Amazon when I was offered it 20 years ago. <laughs> Cannot do that this time. Um, in any case, so let's get back to online education. So you're being the back end of it. Now, let's talk about wh- the landscape of where we are right now, because there's so many MOOCs. There's so many um, multi, well, I can't even remember, multi, I just call them MOOCs now. Multi. Massive open online massive, courses. whatever. Okay. Yeah. Well, it's talk a little of, bit of a whatever. Yes, there. whatever. So let's talk about each of them, because then there, and then there's other things, like uh, LinkedIn bought one that was sort of advanced. Yep. Uh, Linda. Like, Linda. Let's go through each of them. So can you split them up to see where we are in online education? So, I mean, I would talk about like three waves. The first wave I mentioned earlier was the for-profits. Mm-hmm. And, you know, uh, unfortunately not all of it worked, which, by the way, is not good for America. It's like— Why is that? Explain what, explain what they did. They were— Well, it was the, f- the first schools to go online were not the schools that we all know. They right. were all for-profit schools that were built to try to serve the, a much wider group of people. And— mm-hmm. We need more education, not less. Like, we desperately need more college attainability. Like, we need, we need people need the, the That's access. That's some Silicon Valley people think, but go ahead. Yeah, you know, I'll tell you, when I hear Peter Thiel talking about funding dropouts, mm-hmm. like, you want to get me going? Yeah. Like, when I hear Peter Thiel talk about anything, I get going. So let's just not, let's not go there. But <laughs> it, the notion that somehow, like, most people, like, you need the, you need the access. Yes, like, of course you do. It's crazy. You know, the, like, being a three-time CEO— this is the only one that worked. Now, this one worked to the extreme, but my first one I ran for a decade, like, you know, and it failed. And yeah. so when people are running around Silicon Valley talking about failing forward, failing fast, give Not me a break. That. I was with one of them, and, the, and I literally I made a Shakespeare reference. They're like, what? I'm like, oh, my God, you didn't finish college, did you? You know, I, you know, I keep blaming uh, Facebook's problems, the fact that Mark Zuckerberg didn't take enough humanities courses, but I, I now well, believe it's true. <laughs> when we are hiring today, we have like, you know, we have 25. Joe Sarcher would help you here. <laughs> We have, you know, we have 2,500 employees, and when we hire, yeah. like, right now, critical thinking, critical reading, exactly. writing, like, making an argument, being yeah. persuasive, like, all these things Shakespeare are— Shakespeare or whoever, sure. or Toni Morrison or anybody. It was, like, it was interesting because I—because it's absolutely the most important part is having a wide—widely read and widely critical. critical. Even in tech. Yeah, of course. But, you know— Most of all in tech. Well, everybody loves to say, you know, we don't need that now. We yeah, just we need do. you to know the code. No. So there was a first the for-profits, which are just yep. sort of down and dirty, just the way they are in the real world, right? Well, I, no. I, so I, I think there was a lot of innovation that occurred at the for-pro- in the for-profit space. Like, mm-hmm. we wouldn't be where we are if they hadn't launched. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, too many people selling a criminal justice degree, and it's not obvious what somebody's going to do with that. Right. So if you get out and you have a bunch of debt and you don't have an opportunity after— that's not good. Right. right? So it's a, yeah. It's like Trump University, for example. Well, I'm not going to go there. Yeah, I am. <laughs> yeah, I know you Sham are. Sham and they got sued. But anyway, so there are those. There are those. But Trump University was actually one of them, was one of the many. So then what else? Then MOOCs, right? And, yeah. I mean, so, you know, what's interesting is before the MOOCs, we're already on the scene. Mm-hmm. Just no one's ever heard of us, right? Right. So there were people like me that were helping the real schools go online so and offer schools, the real going thing. going towards real schools. Yeah. And, and, and the MOOCs were— a moment in time where all of a sudden everybody got captivated that online was going These to— These are the schools themselves. The schools themselves and the general—like, mm-hmm. I was pretty surprised that the New York Times, you know, where, where you're at now, was writing about it every mm-hmm. week mm-hmm. because we, we actually didn't think that it was mm-hmm. going to fundamentally change everything. Mm-hmm. It did raise people's attention that all of a sudden 
my biggest issue with as CEO is preconceived notions of online education are bad. People right. think it stinks. Right. So having all of a sudden the word Harvard mm-hmm. or the word MIT. Stanford or MIT appear around online education right. is a positive. And the way they did it is themselves, right? Correct. I mean, no, there were a bunch of companies. Bunch of company. Oh, that's right. They had the Udacity, the, Coursera, edX. Right. Right. Uh, some nonprofit. I MIT did it by itself, but I guess M- yeah. MIT did a bunch of things by, by themselves. themselves. Yeah, that one course they did. They did, but yeah. then they had they partnered with edX, which is mm-hmm. partly owned by MIT. Mm-hmm. Harvard and MIT own edX. That's right. That's right. That's what I mean. They did it them, when I say they did, did it themselves. Right? And then there are companies like Coursera or FutureLearn that offered mm-hmm. massive open online courses as companies. Mm-hmm. And now those companies in some ways are fig- trying to figure out how to turn into 2U. Which is just a white label, essentially. Well, it's it's more that you're offering something with – it's not just lifelong learning. Like you're actually offering the real degree or a certificate. Right. Having achieved, so these MOOCs were just taking courses, right? Just Not taking the courses, whole thing. like just taking courses, or, or you know, or auditing them. Really, that really, that's right. Really, was what it was with asynchronous interaction or mm-hmm. interaction through forums or mm-hmm. interaction with all of the people that were online taking the course, right. but not personal interaction. And then there's continuing learning stuff. There is. There's a bunch of that. Right. And there's, te- you know, like Linda the, was that. Like com- a lot of them computer courses. Linda, a lot you've of probably them. heard of like Udemy. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. A company that just went public about a month ago that's run by a very good friend of mine called Pluralsight. Mm-hmm. And they explain what those do. They're- Pluralsight is very intense technical training. You can mm-hmm. kind of think of it as like Netflix for coders. Yeah. Um, Udemy is the same one, right? So yeah. it's very intense technical training. Right. And they, they IPO'd like four, four weeks ago. So what's interesting about EdTech is that like one of the things that's notable about our, our IPO, not to switch to that, but mm-hmm. is that like first of all, most for-profit education hadn't been successful and there was really nothing like us on the market. And Wall Street likes familiarity. Right. So our IPO was like we're almost like the anti-unicorn. Mm-hmm. Like in some ways, like I raised $102 million of venture capital. My Series D post money was $280 million. Mm-hmm. Our IPO was half a billion. We didn't get to big numbers until right. well into our public journey. So mm-hmm. it's a much more traditional story. Right. The reason I go there is like online education has had a, it's a tough That's road. Yeah, they have. They have. Right. And now I, what I'm proud of is we're paving a road for— But these advanced ones are interesting because it's like the idea that continuing education is like constant education is— I mean, you, you never stop. And and LinkedIn bought uh, Linda. And they did. And then there's ones that just help you play the banjo or learn Spanish. Yeah, or, you're probably talking about like master class, yeah. learn acting from so-and-so, learn yeah. dribbling from right. Steve, Stephen Curry. Right. And, right, right. And then there's YouTube. And there's YouTube. just a big mess of videos on everything. There's a everything. whole bunch of video on everything. Yeah. But, you know, like libraries have had a ton of books for years and yeah, years. Yeah, that's a really good way to putting and it. And you need it curated, right? Yeah, it, so no, like, they're like on the floor kind of thing. It's really – my kids use them, though, I have to say, to learn how to play Fortnite or whatever. Or whatever. Well, but we – like, interestingly, you our kids, in Fortnite, same age. Don't tell me that. What's that? You don't have a degree in Fortnite, do you? We don't have a degree Please. in Fortnite. No. Because my kid would be like summa cum laude. But Wait, anyway. don't you think that it's just going the other way right now? What do you mean? Fortnite? I don't know. There, I have been through so many of these. I just don't remember. There right, was vampires but I feel like at one point. In our life, my, you know, my there kids. Were angry birds in other moments. Yeah. Fortnite plants has Plants and vampires. Remember that one? Uh, plants and zombies. Whatever. I like that one I don't personally. Care. But. I just hate them all. <laughs> They're making me buy another PS whatever. PS4, week. yeah. I don't know. I'm not doing it. I'm declining. I'm declining. They, and the, when you tell them, why don't you vote the old one? No, no, no. Anyway, anyway, let's get back to um, you. So there was all these all these different kinds, but yep. they're not any one th- thing. Like, what do you think is emerging? Like the idea of a degree system. I firmly believe that over the next 20 years, this is the way you will get your degree, mm-hmm. even in something like the MD. Right. 
we firmly believe that the value props is better for the student. Right. So, and explain why. Explain that why that is, that you think they were making this bold prediction. Well, you can get. I mean, Harvard. you if you can get everything that you would have gotten in the campus program, yes. including the affiliation with the school, which is something right. I feel like gets left sure. out a lot. I went to Georgetown. I went to. Well, more than that, like I'm a Tar Heel. I'm not just. Mm-hmm. I didn't just go to the school. Like I like an example of something that we do in these programs is we do these immersions where students go physically, mm-hmm. and Which we started the company. Idea. Well, t- we thought it was really a bad idea in the beginning, mm-hmm. and Chapel Hill was like, "Nope, we're going to do it." And we were like, "No, you can't do that. You're taking away the one thing that we're selling, which is that you don't have to go." Right. We were totally wrong. Just for a short time. But and they were so popular yeah. that they had to increase the number that they would allow students to take yeah, for credit. Like a weekend, a weekend. So you show up, and there are 500 students dipped in their Carolina blue, mm-hmm. going to the Dean Dome mm-hmm. to have that shared experience. Right. Or being on campus with the old well. And then there there was another one. There's another university in San Francisco, and I'm blanking because I've written about it before, but where they're smaller univer- they're universities created from nothing. Minerva? Minerva, yeah. That's Which, another friend of mine. Yeah. Ben Nelson. Yeah. yeah. Entrepreneur. Uh, that's a different way. That's, that's a different actual, way. That's going there. No. Well, part of it, it's blended. Yeah. I mean, you can argue everything I do is yeah. blended. Right, right. Because, you know, you're putting somebody in to do their clinical. Right. But there's a couple Minerva-like programs. There are. There has not been uh, college replacement, which is kind of what you're talking about now. You can't really name one that's really worked. Yes, because it's a degree from Minerva, right? It's hard. It's a long putt. Yeah. Yeah, it's a long putt. It's a long putt. (laughs) So now, uh, to give them credit, what I love about what they're— They're a very good professor. It's really interesting. But what's interesting there is Mm -hmm. that they're trying to go after a big idea. And I feel like ed tech's been plagued by too many people doing small things. Right, yeah. You need yeah. some big, bold ideas. All right, so the idea is that you get your degree. Like, the people will not go to— what, So what happens to colleges? Because, like, one of the issues I know with colleges, even though it's there's increasingly hard to get into colleges, and yet a lot of colleges— it's only a small group of them that it's increasingly hard to get in, and then there's a vast amount of companies, uh, universities and colleges that have a hard time attracting students. Yeah, so I, I personally believe that those, the latter part, is, is overreported. Mm-hmm. And if you look at, like, the top 500 schools— mm-hmm. Generally speaking, tons of demand for right. the for the undergrad level. Right. You know, you and I are sitting here saying we couldn't get into Georgetown or GW today. Mm-hmm. Um, schools that weren't aspirational when I was growing up are now completely aspirational. Mm-hmm. There's so much worldwide demand for those schools. Now, if you're a small, unbranded, private liberal arts college somewhere in the country that no one's ever heard of, you can't be charging the kind of prices you are right. and have that be sustainable. Right. One of the things we feel like we're bringing to the table is sustainability as part of the ecosystem is Mm -hmm. important. Like, my company's doing well. The university's doing well. Why? Student wins. University wins. I win. It's pretty simple. So, like, if the student doesn't win, nobody wins. But I also have to make sure that the university has a strong, sustainable operation going. Mm -hmm. So, from a cost standpoint, we actually do think that long-term – we can have a really significant impact both on the overall student cost and on the actual cost of tuition. So why but, at all have you have the gathering places of universities? I mean, do you feel like it's going to just not happen, not have them? I mean, no, there's going to be a Harvard, right? But, yeah, no, actually, I've, so I'm, I'm, I believe the campus programs will continue to exist for a really long time. One of the things that's tricky about it is, the, you know, the world can't pick up their life and go to Stanford. Mm-hmm. Like, that's not most people's experience. Right. Mo- most people, most of undergrad, to be clear, is not the person going to Georgetown or right. the person going to Stanford. Right. So over time, how do we serve that population right. and serve them but, with something But you only do graduate programs. Today. Today, right. But, but you we're, want Yeah, we, we've got some cooking. And although there is the experience part of it that people want. There is, but, you know, we do believe that there's a way to accomplish that in the same way that we've done right. some of the graduate programs. So so doing graduates only because that those are people are in the working 
when they want to do, they would do, say, a Wharton executive program or things like that. Yeah, or, you know, think about the Wharton executive program is one way to think about it, like our Berkeley data science program or our uh, Harvard business analytics program. Those are all really good. But there's also a huge shortage of speech pathologists in the world. Mm -hmm. You know, like when my youngest— So you can start targeting the— We we do today. So we do speech pathology. We do physical therapy. We do occupational therapy. Mm -hmm. We do social work. Mm -hmm. We do public health. Those are all really attractive. We're going to talk about the tech about that, deciding what jobs should be done. Because you could often go, you don't want to do that degree. You want to go over here. And here's where jobs are. We try to focus only on those. Yeah. As a company, we have choices as to where we can put our capital. And Mm -hmm. so we try to put our capital in places where— Where the jobs. So you'll have good outcomes. That's right. All right. We're here with Chip Palsek. He is the CEO— Thank you. The CEO of 2U. (laughs) You know what? Your name could be Smith or Brown or something like that. But— Chip Pausek. Let no one ever it gets it right. Pausek. My mom would be thrilled I get, right I now. get it right the ninth time. We're going to take a quick break now. We'll be back in a minute with Chip Pausek, the CEO of 2U. Support for this show comes from Slack. You're a growing business, and you can't afford to slow down. If anything, you could probably use a few more hours in the day. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. We're back with Chip Pausek, the CEO of 2U, or U2, whatever, however you want me to call you. Yeah, that would make me <laughs> yeah. Bono, but... Yeah. So, speaking of technology yeah. and shoving albums you don't want down your throat, talk about the technology of where we're going with this. Is it Right now, it, it's on computers, right? People look good on computers or... It's almost entirely mobile at mobile. this point. Oh, they just yeah. own their phones? Well, their phones, their iPads. iPads, yeah. So, mobile's huge because we have a mobile workforce. Right. So, like, you know, the... They're, like, sitting in the park... Now, we did a really interesting deal with Mm -hmm. um, you might have seen something about with WeWork, Mm -hmm. where every student in every 2U back program can go to any WeWork on the planet at no cost. Mm -hmm. So we did uh, so sort of breakthrough opportunity. It's a place to go and and do do their lessons. That's right. Stuff like that and sitting there with their. So the tech, you know, it is mostly mobile at this point. Now, you, of course, can do it on iPads or phones. Uh, quite a bit of both. Wow, that's amazing. You know, phones getting pretty big. Yeah, I guess you're right. That's right. Uh, the the live classes aren't as good on the phone. Mm-hmm. You know, the little tiny. Yeah, yeah. People. Yeah, but yeah. The on the iPad is great. iPad is great. Okay, and then and, or they can do it on a computer. So they can they do can. it on a computer. So where is that going? Like, where are we with VR for you, for example? You know, so it's tough. Like the, the number of VR startups in education that are dead now. Mm-hmm. Like education is not the place where you can reach the mass consumer that you need to but sort it of. Makes total it. sense, doesn't it? Well, it makes sense for things like uh, so we have classes. Well, our our. Physician assistant program, yeah. which was the first ever online physician assistant program it's with yeah. Yale. Mm-hmm. So we built the cadaver unit. So I can tell you all kinds of things about cadavers, but we had to, we had to deal with cadavers. But My brother's a doctor. He used to send me pictures of it. He shouldn't have done that, but he did. Well, that the cadaver unit you wouldn't want to see. No, it's I did. I saw too many. gross. But, yeah. Um, so, but the important thing is creating that unit, mm-hmm. that's something that, you know, over time, we do believe new technology will make it better and better and better. Right. But this isn't a story about— That's in order to see it and be feel like you're there. Yeah, but today, 
you know, the reality is having great instruction and having great faculty and then going physically and doing it is mm-hmm. a big part of what we do. Mm-hmm. So we just passed 43,000 clinical placements, just okay. to give you an idea this of the scale. This is anywhere. Like you could put them in any hospital where, near where they are. We've done it in now 37,000 different clinics. Mm-hmm. So where they go? To literally do their everywhere. Thing, whether you're a midwife or a Midwife, speech. But – Now, you know what's cool about that? What? What's cool about that is that think about the impact on the local community when they graduate. Right, that they will have a job. They could, they've worked there. That's and stuff the key. Like that makes sense. But I want to get back to VR and I want to get off period. Yeah, yeah. Um, and haptics and things like that. You know, there's yep. obviously all that going on. How far away is that? I think for education, we're not – it's not – it's not a – today, it's not a viable use case. Now, a right. company like 2U, as we get more successful, will be able to invest before others will. Mm-hmm. But I would say, you know, it's not like VR today has been wildly successful for anybody. Right. And so that you're not going to see a hugely successful education use case to start it. That's right. Exactly. It'll be porn. Um, I just took a, a VR roller coaster ride and not – it was in a roller coaster and you wore VR. So you were riding the roller – physically riding right, a roller coaster. Right. It's moving and up and down. That was cool. That is cool. I liked it. Was that at Recode? I no, didn't see that. No, it was in Hong Kong. It was in Hong Kong. I was in Hong Kong with my son. I was forced to we have an office there. Part. Um, but it was interesting. It was interesting. I'm always interested. I'm more interested in VR than other people are because I think it actually – I just played a game, just a recent game. Now, those things that are in malls now, they're quite yep. fun. I'm starting – I, I like – I'm the, the only person who, who likes VR, really. And I hate, used to hate it. Now I love it. I think it's yeah. really interesting. Yeah, uh, I think it's – I think it's a pretty long putt for education yeah. right yeah. now. Yeah, another long putt. All right, there you okay, go. you're making golf references everywhere we go. I, you know, and birdie. I'm not even a golfer. Don't birdie at me. Okay, so what to technologies? It's just mobile, mobile, right? Mobile, mobile, just mobile. Mobile, mobile, mobile. Live. Live. And, you know, really high, like a single 2U course has more video content than a season of Game of Thrones. Right, okay. So, like, All you're right. talking about a lot of stuff. Not as many dismemberments. Um, not, as many, so, <laughs> not as many dismemberments. Not as many. You know, Although I heard, in the physician assistant program, there's the, quite a few dismemberments. I remember the little guy that wrote everything, JJ, whatever. Uh, the guy, Jake, whatever. The guy who wrote Game of Thrones, the actual author. Uh, yes. He uh, has like 10 letters, his name, JJ, yeah, 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 whatever. I him. It, uh, him and he was, I read the first he was one fascinating. He looks like a. Just the nicest little man you'd ever want to meet. And my first question was, like, what is going on in your sick head that you, like, make up That's all That's some crazy stuff. You know what I mean? Like, oh, this guy crazy. looks like your grandfather, and, you're, and suddenly he's like— anyway. It's crazy. Anyhow, and we'll eventually see the end of it in another seven years. Pa- allegedly. But you don't see any technologies, like, being something that would replace it. Like, no, I d- definitively over time, you, like VR, AR, like you're talking about, mm-hmm. you will have an impact, mm-hmm. with it, particularly in the but physical really. disciplines. Mm-hmm. But really right now, like, I mean, I'll give you an interesting lesson from even with our current technology. Mm-hmm. There's one particular professor in the Chapel Hill program mm-hmm. that really we kept trying to push to to do some of the newer things. Right. And he kept sort of insisting on wanting to do it the way that he's comfortable. Mm-hmm. And so we end up filming him and letting him do his thing. And even though it has less of the be- – fewer bells and whistles, it's like the second highest rated course. Huh. Why? Because he's brilliant. What did you try to make him do? We do a lot of tech enable video. Right. So like you're in front of a light board. So like, you know, they're drawing on the they're drawing on it and they're like you're illustrating a lot of things. And in accounting, that was an accounting course. In the accounting course, that's super useful because you're Mm -hmm. moving stuff between, you know, T accounts and and he really wanted to do it sort of the old fashioned way. Now, the thing about the old fashioned way, you're still opening the old fashioned way to a ton of people that could never experience it. Right. So that's hugely powerful. Mm -hmm. But you know, he's just an incredible lecturer and it really worked well. And so it's very highly rated. All right, last couple of questions. Where where are these students from? All over. The world. The world. 
Mostly now, the U.S.? Mostly the U.S. So the interesting thing when I tell you why should you pick up your life, quit your job, and move to attend, a lesson learned to you from our early days, we spent a lot of capital doing international marketing for yeah. our schools. Mm-hmm. The value prop for an international student is not quite as aligned. Why? Because if you kind of want to come here. If, yeah. you, if you can afford it, you can get in and you can speak enough English, you typically want to come here sure. for some time period. Right. Now, we bought a company last year in Cape Town, South Africa. So we now have 500 employees in Cape Town, South Africa that offered something like to you, but instead of for a degree, it's for a short course. And at Recode, Eric Rosenbach mm-hmm. uh, taught one of the courses, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. H- Harvard Cybersecurity. Mm-hmm. Made me particularly proud when you got on stage and said that was one of the coolest presentations we've seen. It was, yeah. So the short course, you're talking about skills attainment for truly a worldwide audience. Mm-hmm. Sort of stand out for the cra- from right. the crowd, get a certificate. Shorter ones. Sh- yeah. yeah. So six, eight weeks. Mm-hmm. And example of a course would be the Harvard Cybersecurity course or right. Oxford Blockchain. Yeah. Or MIT Internet of Things. Yeah. Like skills attainment courses for the sort of corporate employee or right. the lifelong learner. Right. That is a true worldwide I audience. I did one of those. I actually took a train up to Philadelphia when I worked at the Washington Post on accounting, an accounting course. And it helped me catch a lot of terrible internet companies. But well, I If you want to take our that. blockchain course, I'll uh, Not today. But maybe. Maybe. <laughs> not today. I don't, want, I don't like school. I don't like school. I never did. I kind of like it. I got the heebs when I was over at uh, the heebie-jeebies when I was over at um, – Georgetown, because it was just, I was like, oh, God, here. Like, I mean, I like it enough that if you think about it, it's kind of nuts that I actually, I, I did the MBA, and I got a lot out of it, I will yeah. tell you. Like, I mean, even though we were public through the whole, you know, through most of it, like. I would take a poetry course. That's what I would take. So, you know, we've talked a lot about creative writing mm-hmm. and haven't done it because we worry that even though there's demand for it, mm-hmm. we're worried that somebody. place. Well, they won't get a job anyway. They won't get a job doing that. <laughs> so we're, we're worried yeah. even though there's, there's a lot of people that, that really want it. It's, so, so is it mostly stuff that just has that jo- is job focused? Yeah, more 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 job focused than not. What's the, what's the most unusual course you have? The physician assistant program is pretty groundbreaking. You know, you wouldn't think of speech pathology or the doctor of physical therapy. That one's probably you know, it's pretty interesting for an online program. Mm-hmm. Our data science program at Berkeley was literally the first of its kind. No one had ever done data science, mm-hmm. and that particular dean, she's incredible. She basically pounded me to do it. We didn't want to do it at first. This is way before, like, sort of mm-hmm. data was hot. Mm-hmm. And um, she insisted we do it, and we eventually listened to her. Now it's super obvious that that was a yeah. huge win. So finishing up, just I want to talk about the, the broader landscape finishing up. When you think about online education, you, you said there's going to be more. Is it, is it going to – what do you think the impact will have? Is that more people are educated or that, that people Definitely. don't go to colleges or well, – you may not have seen this, but something fascinating just happened where Purdue University mm-hmm. acquired— Ohio. This is Ohio, right? Uh, Purdue, where's Purdue? Uh, Indiana. Indiana, sorry. Purdue acquired Kaplan University, the for-profit, uh-huh. yes, and turned it into Purdue Global. Mm-hmm. And it's sort of a notable moment because mm-hmm. what you have is you have a major state flagship embracing what would have been and still is somewhat controversial— you know, 10 years ago, Kaplan was, was pretty controversial, but mm-hmm. Kaplan is trying to educate this a much broader— This was used by the Washington Post. I know. Kaplan was, yeah. They did mostly SAT, right? It was mostly— uh, Well, Kaplan way back was test prep test and prep. then over time got into becoming a for-profit university. Yeah. And so what I think is fascinating is if where the space is going over— having a state flagship mm-hmm. purchase a former for-profit— and offer that kind yeah. of programming more yeah. broadly yeah. tells you where the world's going. 
And does that impact your business? Because if they're if all these co- they individually all because eventually like you think about a lot of internet things before it was done by a lot of people, then everyone just had it in house. I would say, uh, in general, we believe that that's more good for our business than bad. Mm-hmm. Like, puts a lot of wind at our back as online ed gets more accepted. Right. Just once again, online education people don't think is any good. Mm-hmm. Over time, as it becomes more obvious to people, it'll make our job marketing for our university partners easier. There will be some competition, but the market is so big. Right. Like, I feel like where 2U is right now is where Amazon in the stage where they were adding the tabs. Mm-hmm. Oh, like, by the way, Amazon's getting into this business. I'm kidding. <laughs> well. <laughs> no, they will. What are you call- talking about? Amazon it's- will get into every business. Right. Yeah. But yeah. From, a, from the standpoint of, like, our overall. They would get into this business, sure. wouldn't they? Of course. Well, they already have, they already do internal corporate training. Right. And that'll be where they start. Right. And a- Apple's kind of in – it's not really. It just has university courses. Yeah. I think, you know, people want to receive their certification and their degree from Berkeley. No, I get that. But you could see Apple. I mean, Apple's had a history of this of the, of, in this space but hasn't really doubled down on it. Yeah, they'd have to – They have Apple University. They have – Right. And they'd have to they'd have to figure out how to have all the clinical apparatus and all the other Do you components. see those big ones getting in there or buying their way in? We do think it's interesting that – Tech is waking up dead tech. Yeah. No question. Yeah. So the Linda purchase by LinkedIn, which obviously is now part of Microsoft. Right. Notable. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Chip, last question. What's the uh, what's your next course you're taking? What are you getting a degree in? Nursing? So I, I, I think fun. my team and my wife and <laughs> my family would kill me if I took a doctorate, but that would obviously be the next step for me. A doctorate? Well, I did the MBA, so now I've okay. got an advanced degree. Do you need more? You need to call doctor. Do I have to call you do- doctor? You call Chip. me doctor Chip. Dr. Chip. Dr. Chip. No, I will not. Why not? I will not do it. I will not do it. Anyway, this was great talking to you. It's a really interesting discussion of where it's going because you're right. It has changed so substantively, you know, in terms from the beginning. But it is also something It's really important. Yeah, it's people don't do it as think of it the way they should. I'm just thinking of my kids going to college and I, I'm thinking in the traditional way. So, you know, we've as I'm a company— I'm thinking my kid is not going to college and I'm just going to do all my college. They will. No, no, no. They will. But I guess, you know, it's interesting our— as our company becomes more notable, so uh, yeah. Valerie Jarrett joined our board. When she did, she said, you know, you haven't heard of this company, but you soon will. I mean, we feel yeah. like we're starting Valerie's to resonate. We're starting to resonate. Yeah. And I, I guess I would argue that, you know, it's it's early days, mm-hmm. but it's a huge opportunity because we just need more access to this kind of stuff, not right. less. Yeah. Great. Thank you so much. It's great Thank talking you. to you. If you enjoyed the interview as much as I did, be sure to subscribe to the show. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. You can also find more episodes of Recode Decode on Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you didn't like the interview, well, go away. Or you just want to say hi, tweet at me. I'm at Kara Swisher on Twitter. Now that you're done with this, go check out our latest episode of Recode Media. You can find that show wherever you found this one. Thanks for listening to this episode of Recode Decode. Thanks to our editor, Joel Robbie, and our producer, Eric Johnson. I'll be back here on Monday. Tune in then. Hi, we're Visible. We're the wireless company with nothing to hide. Seriously. Hidden fees? We don't have them. Annual contracts? Not our thing. Great wireless on just one line? Now that's more like it. Get unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just $25 a month. Taxes and fees included. That's right. $25 a month? Every month. Sorry, hidden fees. We're just not that into you. Sometimes the choice is just Visible. Switch today at Visible.com. Rate with service on the Visible plan. For additional terms and network management practices, see Visible.com.